0: Hi, this is Jess Porter. You're listening to The List. I am speaking today with a good friend of mine, Bill Hansen, one of my primary tennis teachers. And I think that's probably a really great thing to be not um, considering my skill level
1: but anyway welcome bill to the podcast i am so happy to be here jess thanks so much for having me watching you on court has been a a gift
0: (laughs) i only laugh because you know this happened to me when i was in graduate school for acting and there was a class called circus class and the guy who taught it was a guy named javi god what was javi's last name Anyway, he's still alive. He's deep in his 80s probably. And Hovey was this like biker dude and he always wore Susie and the Banshees shirts. But he had grown up and like spent much of his adult life in the circus. So Hovey was this like gritty guy but heart of gold, total cream puff of a person. And he, one of the first things we learned in circus class, which is a three-hour class once a week, was juggling. And, of course, you start with the balls, three balls, and then I'm still struggling with the balls going like tick, tock, tick, tock, like trying to find the rhythm. Me and my friend Bridget are both sort of struggling in the corner while the rest of the class goes on to juggle pins, juggle rings, and then juggle them in (laughs) formation. So tossing them back and forth in formation. And Bridget and I, although Bridget even graduated to knowing how to juggle, I'm sitting in their corner, like not being able to get it. And I said to Hubby at one point, I was like, come on Hubby, because he was frustrated with me. I was like, come on Hubby. you've got to have people who've had this kind of trouble learning how to juggle before. You know, just thinking I'm saying a reasonable adult thing. And he looks at me, he goes, "Uh, no. Like I was it. I was the worst juggler he'd ever had. So I say that because I have been in tennis beginner two not beginner one, thank God, but beginner two now for like maybe two and a half or three years, (laughs) and every single person I've had in that class has moved on to intermediate. And everyone's been so patient with me because I keep paying money, so like who cares? And I don't really care because I know that I'm fundamentally challenged. Anyway, thanks for saying it's a joy to watch me, which is a nice way of not saying you're a great tennis player
1: you are on the verge of intermediate 1 i mean you could not be closer to intermediate 1 without being intermediate 1 that's how close you are if there were a beginner 3 or beginner 4 that, you'd be that would be you um, we just need you to kind of use that right hand on the backhand, that wrist on the backhand a little bit more, get mm. a little more shape on mm. that backhand. And maybe it's true, my back when that ball is
0: very inconsistent,
1: your forehand is ruthless. Sometimes when the ball's, let's say, a little further away, I feel like mm-hmm. the will to get there is maybe not as high. <laughs>
0: well we can blame that sometimes on my hip bill my hip i didn't have hip surgery so i was in pain for most of the time until last year until 2019 got the hip done and then improved on the course in terms of mobility well thank you um we were talking slightly a little earlier about your name your name is bill hansen which of course comes from william but you also sometimes online go by billy and um you were saying that you just don't feel like Bill is your
1: preferred moniker.
0: And I agree that yeah. you're not really a Bill. Bill is too small a name
1: for you. You know, I'm, I'm really facing that more and more, that I don't like my name. Mm. Bill. It's very, it sounds sharp and shrill and it's not soft and warm. I don't know.
0: You know, it's intense because one's name is the sound the world makes mm-hmm. about you. And that's big.
1: Mm. That's like this whole energy. You know, I, w- I was named after my grandfather, mm. who was a judge in wow. Iowa, and kind of rose to a level of mythology in my family. Uh, mm. He had a club foot, and well, yeah, he was born with a club foot, and born into extreme poverty. And so these stories of him trudging through the snow on his club foot, to make it to law school, every morning, and you know, ultimately becoming a judge kind of, you know, became this larger than life myth, and not myth, because it's true, but story, I guess, in my family. So, and so it's a little, it's a little strange that I named after him, because in some, so many ways, I'm Not like him.
0: That's intense. Did you know
1: him? Yes. He loved to, in, in the garage in Jefferson, Iowa, which is a tiny town in Iowa, he would polish stones like agate. And I was fascinated by that, and that's kind of how we bonded, is that aesthetic polishing of stones. But I was definitely scared of him. And I want to be clear, he never did anything that justified me being scared. He just had this intensity and this way of commanding a room that was intimidating to me.
0: Well, so it's not only that the word bill itself is like the wrong sound for you, but it carries so much family, uh, you know, and sort of identity baggage from another person. So...
1: When did you get into tennis? So it was love at first strike. Mm. Um, I was actually in France at the time. I I, I lived in France for a little while when I was a kid, when I was eight and nine, and was at a hotel that had a tennis court and just picked up a racket and never looked back. I think part of it, I, I really liked the fact that it was an independent, an individual sport. Because for me, team sports were stressful mm. and fraught. I, I knew I was gay pretty early on. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was this kind of like, I wouldn't say eroticism to team sports, although, you know, in retrospect, maybe, maybe there is mm-hmm. now for me. But uh, at the time, you know, there was this <laughs> kind of dynamic of these people being my teammates but also kind of crushes I guess
0: Mhm. Mhm.
1: and also just this pressure of feeling like I had to perform on this team and I was disappointing them if I if I didn't perform and also you know or I was mm. showing I was revealing my sexuality if I wasn't one of the top performers right I was Looking gay. Right. You know, and that would then invite, oh, okay, well, you know, that was a gay kick, you know, or whatever. Right. And right, so right, tennis, right. it's like you are on your own out there. You try as hard as you can and you work as hard as you can and you lose on your own and you win on your own. Mm-hmm. And I think something about tennis being. Like, there are women stars, there are men stars, there are stars of all heights, there are stars of all, mm. from all countries. I really liked that aspect of it. There, was a, there were a lot of different types of players to look up to. Hmm. And, um, and there's also a lot of different ways to play tennis. It's a pretty cerebral game, right? You can play, you can not miss, you know, you can just develop a big serve like you have you know just a big serve and just win by just pounding aces right um, <laughs> totally you can you know hit a lot of nasty spins and just drag your opponent crazy I like the mm. cerebral component of it too
0: I agree with you there's just it it continues to grow for me as a thing it's you know uh, style it's Speed, it's strength, it's agility. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: there's mm-hmm. so much to it, and right. uh
0: outthinking your partner and whatever. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's eye-hand coordination. It's speed. It's, it's athleticism. It's agility. It's uh, reflexes. It's willpower. It's work ethic. It's um, focus. I mean, it's balance. You can exactly. You can use whatever you bring to the table and maximize that but it's also a very technical game so there's a lot you know it takes a while to improve
0: well i'm really glad you're here i'm glad we can do the list together and shall we begin sure yeah all right i'll start so i haven't i haven't done a podcast for a month i took a month off because i'd done like 22 episodes and uh but I'm really grateful to be doing it again and in that period of time in the last 12 I mean four weeks or so I've moved into a new house I gotta say I'm insanely grateful for my house and I'll probably talk about it for the next 10 years but one of the reasons is that there are so many windows from this house from which you can see the sky and then there's a deck at the back from which you can see the sky and right now, as I lie down on my couch, there's three huge windows. Each one is six feet long or wide. And they're all just showing an unobstructed view of the clouds slowly morphing as the sun goes down and what I'm sure will be a spectacular sunset. And I'm lying down in my living room looking at the clouds. And I've always loved the clouds. I think clouds are just so cool, so To have a place that showcases the clouds from my bedroom, from my living room, from the deck, I could not be happier about that. It just, it buoys my spirit like almost nothing else can in a weird secret little compartment in my soul that I have about the clouds and the sky.
1: I can't wait to visit. It sounds incredible. Yes. I am in some ways I'm grateful that the pan, not for the pandemic at all, but for the fact that it almost forced an intervention, not a, I'm not talking about like a, an intervention with substances, but kind of an intervention in like, you have to pause your life mm. and you have to think about your life. And In some ways I think I I needed that I needed to examine certain things and um, it in a way it's giving me an opportunity to reset maybe even reinvent myself maybe I'll you know emerge out of this you know like Madonna and uh, with red hair and a leotard and and who knows Um, (laughs) but and this it also has given a pause in a lot of ways to certain friendships, which I would say kind of the friendships that are maybe very superficial. And Mm. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want those friendships anymore, but I'm saying that you kind of learn who your people are and maybe who, huh, it's not so bad that, I could take a break from some of those other people. Mm. I don't know. I'm kind of grateful to kind of reset my my priorities in terms of the people in my life. Yeah,
0: what a weird time because the whole world reset their priorities. The whole world. You know? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the worldwide reset is one once in a lifetime thing, I think. Yeah. I'm grateful going to sound weird and small but i'm wearing these slippers right now that my aunt bonnie gave me for christmas last year and i hadn't worn them until really recently you know sometimes you get gifts and they sort of end up you know I, i had a year that was like living in two different places and you know so they were in a box somewhere and i hadn't really used them and then they came out when i moved into this house and i just i wear them all the time now and they're you know those socks that people make sock monkeys out of? They're gray with like a red, <laughs> red lines, red and white. Yeah. Um, they're slippers that are basically, you know, those socks made into slippers, and they're so cute and they're so comfortable. But most of all, they remind me of her. And I called her yesterday. I'm trying in December to call one person every day who I haven't spoken to in a while because I feel like I'm contracting sort of socially and emotionally and just putting my head down and being like, let's just get through this. And I want to, um, behave contrary to that impulse. And so I spoke to her yesterday and she's just such a lovely person and I'm really glad I have these slippers because they remind me of her every day.
1: I am, you know, it's happened a few times even this week, just, people I've interacted with, even if it's a relatively transactional interaction, that they're they're, them just being very courteous and very thoughtful, and it just really makes life so much better. I mean, you know, Mm. so I was not feeling well the other day, and I had been up late writing because I had a deadline, and then you know, I I had to get up early because I had an errand and then I had a doctor's appointment that day. But I was like, Okay, I'm just going to take a little nap. I I never do this. I slept through the appointment. Somehow my alarm didn't go off. It was a four hour nap. I was mortified when I woke up. I was like, Oh my gosh, and it this is a time sensitive appointment because I have to get it done. before Mm -hmm. A surgery. And so I called the doctor's office super apologetic. And She was so, the woman I spoke to was so kind and understanding and forgiving and got me in the next day. And I just really am appreciating, because right now it's real tempting, I'm sure, especially if you're interfacing with a lot of people calling to Mm. get really upset, right, get enraged. And so I am trying to be really conscious of that.
0: You're reminding me that I haven't done the podcast since right before the election. The last episode I did, I published on election day and before we knew the results, because obviously we didn't know them for days. I'm so grateful Joe Biden won. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I have no problem saying it. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, man, in my world, he did. And wow, the release on a profound soul level that occurred on that Saturday morning when it was declared and people dancing in the streets all over the world. I mean, that was amazing. And I cannot, cannot, cannot even imagine what it'd be like if that hadn't been the result. Yeah, That would be dark, really fucking dark. So yeah. I just want to say for the record, having done this podcast since the beginning of the pandemic, that was, has been the brightest light in the entire thing so far for
1: obvious reasons. And we got Kamala Harris That's yes. as well. Yes. I am so happy that someone like her is in a leadership position Uh, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we need people like her. Yeah, absolutely. But also I got to say just
0: about Joe Biden in general, like, you know, white men are getting so much flack, white straight men getting so much flack these days. And like, you know, understandably, because they've been the ruling class for such a long time. But that doesn't mean that there aren't like incredibly decent, wise (laughs) no good individuals who happen to come in white male straight packages. And Joe Biden is one of those people. I mean, just, he's a good man. And, uh, that's obviously a breath of fresh air. I
1: I, absolutely. And some of these men can, can grow. And I think Joe Biden has grown. He's evolved. He's, I think he's, um, changed his thinking change, you know, um, become more open-minded about certain things. And that's something I think we can all, I'm grateful that my father has done that. Hmm. He's, you know, he's not perfect, but he really has opened his, his mind and allowed himself to rethink certain belief systems. And I'm so grateful that he's done that. Hmm. Wow, I'm grateful for my parents really in general. I'm, I don't, yeah. I'm grateful for them because even though I know it's probably not real, they just seem so kind of tough and even killed and kind of un- unshakable. I don't know if that's the right word. but
0: mm. Yeah, I'm really grateful for my dad. You know, it's uh, been a real journey for my dad and I. Like my parents separated when I was 18 months old and divorced when I was three. And so I've never lived with my own father day in, day out. And that's, that's a weird relationship um, by definition. You know, it's sort of like, oh, this is your primary male figure in your life, genetically and energetically. And, and yet I would only see him two days out of 14 for my entire childhood. So it's been, difficult at times and painful I think for both of us to try and fill in those gaps and then of course I went to university in the United States so and then basically never moved back to Canada for any duration of note so there's been distance as well but you know we've done our best because we both obviously and genuinely love each other and we've tried our best to like overcome the hurdles that have come up and, and sometimes they've been difficult and significant and, but we, they're negligible compared to the love. And every time you handle a hurdle, like the love sort of flows that much more easily. And, and, uh, but I think there's just been like gaps that we've had to try and fill retroactively. And that's tricky, but we're both game for it, you know? And, uh, And my dad is a very, very good
1: man. Well, you know, he he finally respects you now that you can beat him at tennis. And that's thanks to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. At least when I go
0: home and I do play tennis with the family, they're like, you're not embarrassing. You know, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, here's the thing about me in tennis is I'm not good. But I'm also not horrible. It's, I live in this weird limbo, which I'm grateful for.
1: I'm looking at it right now, and I'll give you a little background. So I really don't like to shave. I don't find it enjoyable. There's nothing I like about it, right? It's a chore. But I have a pretty full beard, so and, and it grows pretty fast. So my choices are to either shave pretty regularly or manage slash trim my beard but one of the issues i've dealt with in the past few years is if i let my beard grow when i do shave my skin is really red and splotchy Mm. after i shave and then it's like oh well now i can't it's i i feel like i can't go out or i can't you know masks actually are good that you know help um but and so it's just important. It's kind of the cycle. And I've tried so many things, like, you know, everything from argon oil to cocoa butter to uh, vitamin E to, you know, just lotion and blah, blah, blah. And nothing really seems to have helped. I, I don't think it's necessarily conditioned. But I don't even know what eczema is. But I finally I got this um, eczema relief body cream by Eucerin. It wasn't like, you know, anything fancy. It was inexpensive at Rite Aid. And it works. Mm. It works. I so I like apply it to my beard. And then when I trim or shave, I don't have the red splotches anymore. And this is within the past couple months. So I'm so I'm grateful for this particular product. Yeah. And I have I feel like I have choices I can be have a full beard, I can have a little scruff, I can be clean-shaven, and, you know, boom. I love something that works, you know, something that
0: hits the spot, something that's designed precisely for X, and it does X. I recently purchased Crazy Glue. Now, I watched Mm -hmm. Crazy Glue commercials my entire childhood. I think I bumped into it a couple times as a teenager where, you know, you – you're playing with it with your friends and someone glues their fingers together. I mean, crazy glue is serious business. It is really, yeah. really strong glue. And I recently, because I, I've, I've become like the DIY queen with this house. I can't believe because I've gone from being like an insanely lazy person to like working on my house all day long. It's all I want to do. It just makes me so happy to tweak things and make them better and order this and do that and paint this and, and I'm like fix stuff. I, I repaired ripped drywall, like by myself, from a YouTube video. What? And um, yeah. shellac-based primer, joint compound, sandpaper. done. And wow. I bought crazy glue. And the things that I've used it on like fixing this little table, fixing a chair, fixing a cup, my friend Ernie, I broke one of his teacups, and I fixed it with crazy glue, like, so satisfying so satisfying to see something work so well so I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for things
1: like your cream that work well I'm looking at these candles that they're spherical and one is sky blue one's kind of lavender and one's a very pale yellow you know like a very dusty almost peach yellow And they're a set. I got those, these candles at Gallery Lafayette in Paris in 2005. Mm. And they have moved with me from probably three New York apartments, now two LA apartments. I've never, I've never lit them. Wow. Yeah, I've never lit them because they're perfect spheres. So as soon as Mm. I light them. There's going to be a crater, like, you know, in the moon. Yes. There's going to, you know, and I I don't, I don't, I'm very, because whenever I see them, I'm reminded of that wonderful trip. It was just me and my mom. And she's a real Francophile. She wishes she were French. Uh, she's a French mm-hmm. teacher, actually. And that's her profession. She's re- recently retired. But uh, I don't know if I should ever burn them or not, but I I am happy that they followed me I mean that's almost 16 years these three spherical candles they're slightly different sizes each one the lavender ones the biggest sky blue ones medium and the kind of dusty yellow one is small
0: I mean, I think if you get pleasure out of them as like <laughs> sculptural pieces you've had like 15 years of that pleasure that's fantastic keep it going because a candle is a different pleasure and you can get that several different ways. Like a candle's about candlelight in the room. And there's, you know, burn things that don't have such pleasant associations that you haven't held on to for so long,
1: you know? Will do. Sold. <laughs> I feel energized, but also peaceful at the same time, mm. which is very rare for me. If I'm energized, huh. I'm usually anxious. And if I'm peaceful, I'm usually asleep. So it is nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is well, nice
1: to feel energized and peaceful at the same time. It's the secret recipe. Gratitude Yeah.
0: works every time.